Welcome back, everybody. This is The Changelog. We're a member-supported blog and podcast that covers what's fresh and what's new in open source. You can check out the blog at thechangelog.com and our past shows at 5x5.tv slash changelog. And this show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Andrew Thorpe. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? It is a awesome, awesome day, man. Uh, you can tune in live to this show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on 5x5. And this is episode number 91 and we're joined by Sasha Grief, a fantastic, when I say fantastic, I mean in all caps, interface designer, as well as a guest contributor to the changelog. And I guess now, Sasha, we can add Hacker to that list as well, right? So, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hi. So, we got uh, Sasha Grief on the call here. He's, uh, he, he's wrote, you've written a book on something really cool, man. What did you write this book on? So, um, I've uh, co-written a book on Meteor, uh, uh, JavaScript Framework. And Meteor kind of meteorically came onto the scene about uh, about a year and a half back, which is uh, a fun little rise for for that framework. But uh, before we dive deep into the show, why don't uh, you give the listeners a a, uh, a mention of whom you are? What do you do? Sure. So um, right now I'm living in Japan, in Osaka, Japan, and uh, I mostly work on my own projects, so, such as the book. But before that, um, I used to do a lot of uh, freelance design work, so mostly uh, UI design, uh, web app design. And uh, I worked for uh, companies such as uh, Hipmunk, um, Ruby Motion, and also Code Academy, so a lot of startups and yeah, a, a lot of people in the, the tech uh, world. But actually, even before that, um, my main background is uh, computer science, so... Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of have a weird background where I was first uh, like more of a coder than designer, and then now back to being a bit of a coder. I see the history I know of you is mostly in the design side. Yeah, well, I have always, uh, when I say computer science, I went to, uh, to college to study that. And uh, if you've uh, studied computer science, you know it has nothing to do with the web and uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, really different from what we do day to day. So I didn't really enjoy that uh, that much. And this is why I went uh, went on to work on the web. And the part I liked the most about that uh, was design. So I've kind of always followed my interest or tried to. And it's just uh, see where it takes me, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you do bring up something good, that when you are a computer science student um, and... It's. I mean, I was a computer science student in college. It's a great thing. But what we tend to do now, uh, there's there's kind of these two different paths you can take. And, well, there's a million different paths you can take. You know, cue the music. But when, when we graduated, uh, when I graduated, you could either kind of go like the more traditional route or this kind of like emerging web technology route. And um, so that kind of gets us to where we are now. And so with one of the big new emerging I don't know if you would call it a technology, but the framework of Meteor, uh, very exciting, very, it's a very neat project. I got involved very early on and by involved, I mean, I joined the mailing list. Um, so why don't you give us a kind of an overview, Sasha, of what Meteor is? Yeah. Why don't you give us an overview of what, what is Meteor JS? Okay. So Meteor uh, JS is a framework framework built on top of node and, um, it's really a, a full-stack framework, so um, it, 
it takes care of the server side and uh, the client side. And um, it's made by uh, a couple guys in San Francisco. So the, the company itself is Meteor. It's their whole uh, product. And it's interesting for a few reasons because, um, first of all, um, it's entirely JavaScript since it's Node. So uh, personally, I really like that you don't need any context switching between you know Ruby and JavaScript or PHP and JavaScript. And uh, the other thing is it's uh, reactive and real-time. So um, what that means, uh, being reactive, is that any uh, change to the data and the database will automatically get reflected in the user interface in the browser. And uh, Meteor takes care of keeping all that in sync for you. And real-time means that these changes happen uh, instantly, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, so being on the web and when you're talking about state and, and different things like that, it's it's really cool to see something like Meteor that um, you have. It almost seemed like it was going to be a it was a pipe dream for a long time, and I think you know Node.js obviously is something that's made this possible. But it almost seemed like to be able to write code on the server and in, on the wet on the front end, um, you know, in terms of web development, was a pipe dream for a long time, right? So this is something that comes along that you know Node comes along and then Meteor comes along, and and this is the reason why I. You know, like I signed up on the mailing list so fast was because it seemed like this, what I always, you know, thought of and you heard people talk about as this pipe dream was starting to come to fruition. And that was, you know, people will essentially have to learn one language to be able to write an entire stack on on the web, right? And that's that's really cool. Um, So for somebody like, you know, you, so we thought, Sasha, that, you know, you had more of a design background, but you've kind of blown the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. blown the top off of it. But no, so for somebody who does tip, tend to do more design work on the web, uh, this is a great entry point, right? Because you no longer need to learn all these different uh, technologies to be able to do like your own side project or your own gig. This is just one technology that you can learn in the sense of JavaScript, one language that you can learn to be able to do, um, you know, do a whole project, you know? So is that one of the probably most exciting things about Meteor, would you say? Yeah, I think it's really exciting and really important uh, because, like, you know, we do this, this stuff all day, so uh, for us it becomes a second nature to to uh, make a Ruby and JavaScript play nice and stuff like that, but for someone who's new, you know, they'll be like, okay, why do I have to learn two languages just to do uh, what I want to do? So, um, and, and that's also the reason why I think Meteor is going to be really... Uh, interesting for people like front-end engineers, uh, designers, people who already know the syntax of JavaScript but uh, want to start their own, uh, you know, side project or startup or whatever and don't want to learn yet another language just to uh, have a database and have user accounts and all that. So what does Meteor look like for things like uh, databases and and that side of things? How does Meteor handle uh, those problems? So uh, Meteor works with uh, MongoDB, and it's it's uh, very tightly integrated. So uh, it, it's not that easy to swap in another database, but people are working on that right now. And um, yeah, because Meteor um, kind of replicates a subset of your database on the client, so in memory in the browser, and this way you can have a very fast access to the data and you don't need to go back to the server uh, every time. So, yeah, you use the, the MongoDB API both on the client and the server, basically. 
So there's a lot of uh, tools that I think came out, you know, before Meteor. Um, well, I don't know if they came out before Meteor, but they were, you know, different solutions to different problems. Like uh, I think one of them was called Lawn Chair, and it was a, I think it was a, it was. And, and I don't know if an, an implementation is the right word, but it was kind of built around this idea of the couch, you know, couch DB or, you know, the NoSQL kind of stuff. And it was uh, in local storage. It was like a simple JSON database, right? When these tools came out and then Meteor came out, you know, after that, did Meteor use a lot of these tools or did they rebuild all these things from scratch, I guess is my, my question. Um, you'd have to ask the Meteor guys themselves, but I think they built a lot of it from scratch. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, and they did. I just wanted to get you to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think so, they did anyway as well. And I, and that's one of the things that is is almost refreshing because, you know, right now it seems like the trend in open source and the trend – I don't even know if it's open source, just the trend in development. I mean, you know, Adam and I work in a 9 to 5 together. Um no, I don't know if a nine to five is the best way to put it. I don't think it it's seems to be a lot more than that. Yeah. yeah, but we work on a you know our day to day or our our real you know full time job together. And even as not an open source project, the trend is to kind of leverage all the other tools that are out there. That's what makes open source beautiful. But it's almost refreshing with something like Meteor when they kind of say you know what, obviously MongoDB is not. It wouldn't make sense for them to write their own database. But you know wherever possible, let's let's build our implementation of the solution so that we can make sure it all works together and that's that's refreshing i think i'm I'm excited to see that uh you just hope that it doesn't you know create even more options for newcomers have to figure out what to use but no it's definitely something that's exciting yeah i agree and i think you know having more options it's i agree it can be a problem but meteor is in a space you know it's not like one more uh, front-end javascript framework it's really a thing in itself and i don't see many other uh, frameworks like it yeah, how does it differ from, I think, what, what is the other, there's another big Node framework, I think it's called Express. I have right. never used it. Have you ever used it? No, I haven't, so I don't want to say uh, something wrong, but yeah, yeah be, I, I don't think it's quite the same thing. Yeah, I don't think it is either. It would be interesting to actually not be an idiot on the subject myself and actually be able to clarify, but hey. I guess the closest competitor is called uh, Derby. That's, they're the ones who do the, the most similar thing. Hmm. Derby. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. I have not either. What we'll the reach out to those guys. They're... Somebody should write Discover Derby. <laughs> right. Yeah, they should. Yeah, yeah they should. <laughs> they should. Well, there's um, – well, then it's kind of neat. I was hoping maybe you can share your thoughts on this as, and maybe just kind of glean into how you got into Meteor. But there's these seven principles of Meteor. It's data on the wire, one language, database everywhere. And a number of other, you know, cool buzzwords that that are that are really meaningful to developers. But what was it that got you into Meteor? Like, how did you discover it, and then ultimately write a book about it? So um, it's kind of a funny story because the, the or- original reason I learned Meteor was to build a sidebar. So um, sidebar is a site. It's a very simple site actually. It's uh, a list of the five best design links of the day. So you wouldn't think you would need Meteor to build something like that, like a, a plain HTML file would do just as well. But um, originally my idea was to do something more like a Hacker News for designers. And when I had this idea, I started looking around for, for frameworks and existing open source apps, and I couldn't really find anything. So I started uh, working on my own. And 
I actually didn't do that. I actually hired, uh, looked for someone to hire or work with on this project. And uh, the guy I ended up finding was a Node.js developer. So we worked on that for maybe about a week. And then another friend uh, told me about Meteor and said it was really cool. And he had just met the guys because he's in San Francisco. And they were a, a great team. So, I mean, since I wasn't the one doing any of the coding at that point, I said, hey, sure, I'll pass the information along. So I sent the link to my coder friend. And he said, oh, Meteor looks really cool. Let's uh, use that for the project. And like one week later, uh, I started uh, not hearing back from him anymore. And I guess he got busy. Oh, boy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had this uh, brand uh, new Meteor app and no coder anymore. So I said, okay, well, I'll see what I can do by myself. And uh, I guess a couple months later, I wrote a book. <laughs> So well, sidebar, you can get it. You can check it out at sidebar.io. Um, it's it's cool, right? It's like it almost looks like Hacker News, right? You, obviously, you picked similar colors, and it's like a it's like a beautiful version of Hacker News, and it doesn't seem to have as much of the negative comments on it. So I like that too. It's also down to constraints <laughs> too. It's got you know five links a day. You're you're also pulling in some. Um, cool people, cool, you know, not so much cool people, but like good designers, yeah. known designers that either are establishing their own tribe or have their own tribe that they're sharing, they're sharing like one good design link per day. I guess the question is, is, um, not long before that, maybe about six or seven months before that you built the toolbox.cc, which probably isn't in a similar space, but it's about sharing images and links. Why, why did you decide to, or I guess, is there any plans to go back to the toolbox.cc and and rebuild this with uh, with Meteor. You know, it's like you're reading my mind because uh, <laughs> I actually thinking that it would be a very cool project to do just that. Yeah, because uh, the toolbox is built on WordPress, but um, it doesn't use any of the the features like comments or anything. So uh, yeah, it would be pretty easy to build a Meteor, and I was thinking it could make for a good screencast or tutorial, or or another book, or another book. WordPress to Meteor. I mean, that's your title right yeah. there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, to get so now that we kind of know what Meteor is and, and talked about a little couple of the projects, why don't we move on to the book? Uh, Discover Meteor was written by you and another guy. Who who is the other guy that that wrote it? If you want to introduce him. Okay, so the other guy is Tom Coleman, and I feel like you should say the book was written by Tom Coleman and another guy because <laughs> he, he actually is, has a much better credentials than me, at least in the Meteor community, because. He's the main guy maintaining uh, Meteorite, which is the, the third-party package manager for Meteor. And apart from that, um, he also um, has the, the router package, like one of the main router packages for Meteor and a couple other open-source Meteor projects. So, yeah, he, he's a really smart uh, guy, and I, I feel, feel like outside of the Meteor team, he's one of the people who know the most about Meteor. So you and him get together. How did you guys uh, meet and decide that you were going to write a book together? So we started working together on Telescope. So Telescope is the open source app that I ended up building with Meteor in order to build Sidebar. So um, I decided to make it open source, and um, I went looking for people to help me with with the process. And Tom was... uh, probably the most helpful person. He um, 
helped me a lot with like the more intricate parts of Meteor and we just, you know, we connected and we started working together on this and eventually um, we felt that we learned so much building telescope that uh, it just made sense to, to write a book. So a little side note, it's not easy to find telescope. I don't know if there's a other URL besides the T-E-L-E-S-C dot P-E. But if you check it out, and I wanted to, to just mention this, those are probably the two coolest buttons that I've seen on the web are the try, demo, and fork on GitHub buttons on Telescope. Thanks. <laughs> I love them. So Telescope is a project that was actually before Discover Meteor. And yeah. when you guys are writing Discover Meteor, you essentially recreated teles- a smaller version of Telescope for the book, and that's kind of the whole the whole book, right? You kind of a tutorial type book that takes you from zero to deploy of this other app. Exactly. So this telescope is a social news app. So basically a Reddit or Hacker News clone. And uh, the app you're building in the book is a smaller, lighter version of it called Microscope. And so it's also a a Hacker News clone, but uh, with a few uh, less features compared to Telescope. Gotcha. So who would you say is the target audience for the book, Discover Meteor? So I like to say there's like three target audiences. Uh, The first one, and I guess the easiest one to reach, would be existing Meteor developers. And so far we've had a really good reception uh, with them. And But the second much bigger audience is just developers in general. So I believe there's a lot of interest for Meteor out there. And even people who are, you know, Rails developers or PHP developers, um, since they all already know JavaScript, probably, uh, getting started with Meteor is not a huge leap for them. And I guess the last audience, uh, which might be even bigger, is just, uh, you know, people who don't see themselves as programmers at all. So designers, uh, maybe people who, you know, marketing people who want to learn to code, business people, and... Maybe Meteor is still a little bit young for them, but I believe eventually it will become a pretty good option, you know, as their first uh, pro- programming environment. So the book uh, would be um, very appropriate for them too. Yeah, I'm about halfway through the book right now, and I intend to write a uh, uh, write up on it on the changelog when I'm finished. So far, it's a cool. I'm really enjoying it. It's a, been a great book so far. This is the book itself written in Meteor. Yeah, you could say that. Um, so the the when you buy the book, you get access to the online version of the book, and that is a Meteor app. So um, the reason we we did that, first of all, we couldn't find any other uh, good solution to, you know, restrict access to only people who have bought the book. So we had to create our own, and we picked Meteor. Well, first of all, if we didn't pick Meteor, people would ask us, oh, you're writing a book about Meteor. Why didn't you pick Meteor for the app? So that was a big reason. And also, um, although right now there's like no real uh, need for Meteor in in that app, eventually we'd like to add things like uh, maybe real-time annotations or maybe showing you who else is reading the book at that time. And um, using Meteor gave us the freedom to, in the future, maybe add a lot of uh, cool features like that. Yeah, real-time annotation would be cool. You would think just because, you know, it's hard as an author, right? So you know 
you you know Meteor, you know you know core principles and and you know software design, software development. So it's hard, I think, to to kind of like reach the gamut of everybody because you might you know assume some gaps in knowledge that that are probably assumptions we shouldn't make. So something like real time annotation seems like it would be really cool for people to be able to like if they know no if they have no knowledge of programming at all or if they have, you know, no knowledge of JavaScript, then they can, you know, some people can start conversations around pieces that might not make sense or, you know, might help clarify it and then, you know, potentially even get back into the book through another distribution of it. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah. And so what we've done uh, now is we have uh, discuss comments in the sidebar which is not as good as uh, annotations on the actual text, but you can already see people like talking to each other and, and uh, answering each other's questions. So that's pretty cool. So how's the popularity of this gone for you? Like how, what is the, what have been the, you know, channels that you've kind of pushed this out through? Uh, I guess that the main channel was just our uh, mailing list. So for the past four months, basically ever since we had the idea for the book, uh, we started collecting emails and, um, wrote a blog uh, on the discovermeteor.com. And apart from that, um, the Meteor guys have helped us a lot uh, with promotion, like featuring the book on their blog and in their mailing list. Um, we also had a lot of great reviews on sites like uh, DailyJS, uh, InfoQ, and a few others. So, yeah, I guess all that together uh, ended up being a pretty good... Uh, source of sales and i think we we just crossed like 1000 sales i think wow oh wow that's certainly so there's a definitely an audience there for it for sure i mean obviously there's a meteor audience but uh just in general it shows the i mean you've only released it too about what three or four weeks ago at the most yeah uh, three weeks ago yeah that's insane that's pretty crazy but uh you wrote a i mentioned the first part of the show that you were also a guest contributor on the change log. So for those tuning in, uh, Sasha has actually written on the change log. He, he wrote a post called six months with meteor. Why the future of the web is real time. And, and in there you made a very, a very bold statement. I, I would say, I would hope that maybe you can back up here on, on the show. You said the future oh, is, <laughs> okay. you said the future is real time. And uh, there, there was a lot of conversation about that on Hacker News when we posted this link to there. And uh, I think that was a pretty dramatic day for the change law, too, because this post brought in, I don't even, can you remember the number, but it was like like 15,000 visits that day alone or something like that. So a lot of conversation on Hacker News around, uh, you know, these types of statements and just using media in general. So what do you oh, say wow. when people yeah. ask you why the future of the web is real time? Yeah, first of all, you got me scared, Derek, because I didn't remember what statement I made. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. Don't worry. Okay, so, okay. The reason I said that is if you look at your computer, uh, almost everything is real-time. Um, maybe not real-time in the sense of um, things happening in real-time, but real-time in the sense that you don't need to refresh uh, Windows to see changes, and uh, there's not this idea of, uh, you know, page requests. So uh, the example I always give is if you, uh, if you open the same window uh, on your Mac or Windows, whatever, in, or rather the same directory in two windows, and you delete a file from one of these windows, it will also be deleted from the other one. You, know, you don't need to refresh uh, the window. There's no refresh button on the desktop. So why should it be different on the web, right? 
And I think the, re- the only reason it's different is because of technical limits that were there up to now. But as these, these limits go away, I think more and more um, web apps and websites will move to a real-time model. And again, I'm not saying real-time in the sense of, oh, everything, every update is happening one millisecond you know, after it, it happens, but uh, more in the sense of not having to refresh the page. Right, yeah. real-time in the sense that that you're not having to initiate the to to fetch the data to to update the state of what you're looking at right so, exactly, so yeah. the page itself is in charge of keeping itself up to date and and on that note you also said thinking in real time also influences your coding style what did you mean by that okay so this has to do more with uh, reactivity so meteor um uses like reactive programming which means there's uh, no callbacks and or very few callbacks. And basically every variable, if a variable changes, um, it will be re-evaluated automatically without you needing to do anything about it. So, I mean, it can be very powerful and it can be also very, very dangerous and very tricky. So uh, to give you a practical example, uh, if you have your uh, user object, and that user object is reactive, uh, anytime you change a property of the user, like their email or whatever, it will trigger um, a re-computation of that variable anywhere where it's used. So if you're using that you know, to check uh, permissions in your uh, router filter, for example, uh, that will rerun even if the, f- the variable that you changed on the user actually has nothing to do with that. So these kinds of tricky uh, things that you need to learn. And I don't think it's any better or any worse than the traditional way. It's just a different way of thinking and of coding. You bring up a good point, and this is just maybe a side note that I wanted to ask you. Are you how close to actual the Node.js community has this has the Meteor you know community gotten you? Uh, not very close at all, I think. Well, you brought up something interesting when you said some when you said that there aren't many callbacks in Meteor, and if you've, and this is maybe a little rabbit hole, so stick with me. But if you've gotten into the Node.js community at all, and you've kind of got on the mailing list or gone to any of the uh, you know chats that people talk about it, there's this debate that comes up often, and it's about you know pipes and streams and callbacks and this and that and you know what's the right way to approach these solutions. And I was wondering, and maybe you maybe you haven't really heard anything about it but have you heard that in the media community all that kind of a debate with that with that type of stuff no i'm pretty sure that um you know meter is different and if you if you don't like that way of doing things you probably would not be using meteor because that's their whole one of their main selling points is reactivity and uh, it's hard to to dissociate that from meteor so there's, so it, it is really what makes Meteor Meteor. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's a secret sauce, man. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, yeah, the book, uh, Discover Meteor, again, it's it's a very, very good read. Um, I don't, it's not too too difficult or too long, but it's definitely not uh, one sitting. So I, it's, I find myself with far less time uh, to read than I had before my wife and I had our first son, uh, obviously. And... It's, I've been able to step away from the book and come back, and unfortunately I was hoping to finish it much quicker than I did. But one thing that you know I think is 
is a is a good a good thing to say about it is that I was able to step away and come back and not feel like I had lost too much time, you know, not feel like I was too overwhelmed with the amount of gap that I had spent. Uh, that's not a that's not a sentence. Right. The amount of time that I had spent away from it. So uh, again, I mean, I guess that's just me. Another way for me to say it's a it's a f- another way for me to be a fanboy of it and say it's a great job. Thanks, Dad. That's great, and I, I'm glad you say it. Uh, you didn't read it in, in a single sitting because we had a testimonial from someone that just, who said something like, "Oh, this book is so great. I, I just read it in two hours." <laughs> and <laughs> we're like, "Yeah, I, that wasn't the plan." I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> Well, especially, I mean, the way you, I mean, that also brings up a different subject, too, which is the way you slice up the book, too. The way you can buy it is much different than, um, let's say, a different book. And I, I believe you even have a blog post about the pricing trilogy and, and all that. Maybe we can talk about that a bit. But if you go to uh, discovermedia.com slash packages, you've got it sliced up into just the book, which is 39 bucks, And you've got the full edition, which has members area, code, live instances, and screencasts and all these other goodies that you're, you're packing into this and that's the uh, the red giant package at 89 bucks and then you get this forthcoming or coming soon edition the premium edition so i mean if you're sitting down in two hours of reading this uh, then that's probably a, not a not the best way to yeah. do it but what what brought on this this i guess type of way to release a book um so it's actually a pretty common way of releasing books i think at least uh Maybe not for um, programming books, but for you know design books or uh, business books. And I feel like the main guy who's doing that is Nathan Barry, who actually just came out with uh, his third book. And every time he launches books, he has this system with three plans, three packages. And uh, the first one will, will usually be you know priced well. I mean, not not cheap, but not expect too expensive either. Then there's a middle one that's priced a little bit higher, and then the top one is priced usually like really expensive. And he prices his top package at two hundred fifty dollars, and we did one hundred and fifty nine. So, uh, what I learned from him, and he's been very open with his uh, sales number, is that the top package. Uh, even though it will sell less in quantity, in revenue it will bring in a lot more revenue than all the other packages combined just because you know, it's so much more expensive. So uh, you know, I felt that we weren't sure at all if people would buy the top package, especially since it doesn't actually exist yet. But um, you know, we didn't want to miss that opportunity and we wanted to see if there was a market there. So we decided to, to make the effort to come out come out with uh, these three packages rather than a single price point. So have you, I don't know if you're willing to even disclose this, but have you, have you had many sales on the, uh, on the premium edition? So yeah, surprisingly uh, we did. So I think that the revenue breakdown is about uh, the same for each package. So meaning we made uh, almost as much with the top one as uh, the other two ones. And I think if the top one was actually available at launch, uh, we would have made uh, even more. Hmm. I, this is the third project in a row, I think, where I've noticed a little uh, funny nugget on the uh, product's webpage that we've looked at. And on this one, I see codename Red Giant for the full edition and codename White Dwarf for the premium edition. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it's the the life cycle of a star. Yep. So I guess the next step is a black hole. But Yeah, I don't know if you should do that one. Yeah, it's not that appealing. Uh, Andrew, you're you're so you're so cunning, my friend. So cunning. So, 
where do you get the reviews from typically for this that that are on your uh, that are on the site? Do you go out and ask people to write reviews, or are these have these been just submitted at uh, the will of the readers? Um, so some of them we've asked. So uh, Daily JS, InfoQ, uh, a few reviews. Yeah, we we asked because obviously before you launch, nobody knows you, so. You know, people are not going to come out of the blue and review your book. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's uh, people just have been reviewing the book. We like some some of the reviews are actual reviews people did on their blogs. Some are quotes, and we also have a, a lot of tweets. So the, the tweets are all uh, spontaneous. We don't plant uh, fake tweets. So I'm going to butcher his name because I've never actually known how to say it. But the uh, founder of Meteor is it Matt? De Burgulis? De Burgulis? Yeah. How do you say that? De Burgulis? De Burgulis. So he wrote a review for you, and it seems like uh, that would be a good thing that maybe the Meteor community itself or the Meteor team are embracing this. So what is it? What kind of a response have you gotten from them for writing this? Oh, yeah, we, we've gotten a, a great response. Um, I mean, first of all, uh, we, we released the book in San Francisco, uh, at a release party, and like I think over 120 people from the local community came. So, I mean, that was our first uh, uh, indicator that uh, people in, in the Meteor community were really looking forward to the book. And yeah, I mean, all the feedback we got from them was really good. And even like, well, actually, the feedback we got the most was, oh, I wish I had this six months ago. Hmm. Yeah, not bad. I mean, it's well, it's it's starting at the. I think what is probably the easiest way to learn anything, right, is is by doing, you know. And you got the screencast to go with it, and I guess depending upon the the package you actually get when you get the book. But I mean, you can start the bite off as much as you like, um, but it, it's learn by doing, which is has been said many many times, and that's the best way I know how to learn. I mean, that's how I learn for myself, even of course. So actually, maybe I can talk about that a little. Yeah. Uh, this inspiration for the book structure was the, the Rails tutorial by Michael Hartle. Hartle, yeah. And that's how I learned uh, to, to code in Rails. And um, yeah, I, what I really like with that book is that you were uh, building an actual real thing. It wasn't just theory. It wasn't just uh, syntax. It was uh, getting something out the door. That's, I think and, what you were building with Rails tutorial was like a, a Twitter clone. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it that – I can't – and you may have already said this, but Telescope is – let me make sure I have this right. Telescope is kind of the the social news app part, and then you're actually using Telescope for sidebar. Is that right? Yeah. So which part of – in the process of this creation of this you know set of tools did you decide this is what makes sense to do for the book? Well – First of all, like we we knew we wanted to reuse the the idea of telescope because it's uh, it's this way it's in the continuity of what we were doing, and also people can maybe transition from you know microscope to telescope if they want to contribute uh, to the open source project. So it, it was just all tied in into a, a single uh, app idea, I guess. But also, like it's actually a pretty good. Uh, pretty good concept just to learn a language because you got user accounts, you have uh, comments, um, and you also have uh, a bit of the real-time aspect with uh, real-time voting. So yeah, it just made sense to 
to keep uh, working on the same uh, Hacker News clone idea for the book. Have you actually you, – you said that it would it would almost be able to encourage somebody moving in actually contributing to Telescope. Have you noticed a increase in popularity in Telescope since this? Not really because I think at this point, you know, people who already knew Telescope um, – I mean or rather experienced meteor coders already knew Telescope and new meteor coders are maybe not at the point where they would feel comfortable contributing yet but – in the long term, I definitely expect it to help uh, Telescope, yeah. Gotcha. So Telescope itself has, uh, you know, almost a 1,000 stars and 250 forks. So it seems like it, it in and of itself is a pretty popular project that you're working on. Yeah, and I just wish I had more time to work on it. But it's, yeah, it's pretty popular. So it's still fairly young. So I don't know how many of those, uh, you know, forks are actually being used uh, in production somewhere but uh yeah it's definitely amazing to see all the interest and and what people are doing with it so you say telescope is in beta what what makes it in beta and and what's kind of the goal to get it out of beta um so there there's a few features that i'd like to add um like a search and and also just uh, cleaning up uh, a lot of the code well, for example, uh, we learned a lot uh, writing the book, and you know we had to really think hard about which patterns are best to to build microscope. So I, I would like to re-inject those patterns into Telescope to make sure both uh, code bases are uh, coherent. So ideally, Telescope would be just like a bigger, more complex version of microscope, but um, with all the same things in the same places. So that's something I need to do, and also just. Uh, there's quite a few bugs to fix and, you know, things that work, but not as well as they should. So it's more of a general, uh, yeah, polishing up of the project. With all these different projects that you got going on, where do you find yourself spending the majority of your time? So for the past month, it was definitely the book. Uh, I had a very bad habit in the past, or I guess I still do, but I'm trying to improve it, is... Uh, just being too unfocused and jumping from project to project. So I, it, it has some good sides, like some good points, because uh, first of all, well, it, it's fun to do, and you get to uh, meet a lot of people and and learn a lot of new things. But in the end, I feel like if you really want to achieve something, you need to focus all your energy on, on one project. So for the past month, I put uh, Sidebar on hold, like I didn't add new features to it. I put Telescope on hold. Uh, same with Folio and all my other projects and just focused on the book. Speaking of Folio, I, I exchanged a tweet with you uh, thinking of the deep parts of last night as I was trickling away to bed, but I was kind of just kind of laughing, I guess, in, in a happy way, I guess, uh, as a friend might do to another friend. But you were like, I guess you didn't introduce Folio, but Folio is this community where designers can submit themselves and people who would like to work with freelance designers can come and request uh, projects and mention projects. And it kind of goes out to this, um, I, I, I guess, uh, curated list of available designers based on you. And you've got this um, somewhat big, I guess, waiting list of people waiting to get into as designers into, into Folio. Yeah, so be the- I used to have like, you know, maybe 10 people a week applying, so that was okay. But, 
you know, for some reason, maybe I got some links or whatever. Now I have a 250 people waiting list. <laughs> also because for the past, uh, like I said, three or four months, I was just focused on the book and yeah. didn't check that uh, waiting list too much. So now I have people who have been waiting for like two months to, <laughs> to have their account approved. My new response back and, to me was, yeah, sometimes I wish the site was less popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do sometimes. Well... <laughs> Maybe, you know, that's, uh, I guess it's kind of like the the fun part of success sometimes is once you get so far, and that kind of goes back to what Andrew mentioned, is is how do you decide on what to spend your time on? Is it, this kind of even trickles into the blog post you mentioned too, which, uh, or I mentioned earlier that you wrote uh, about the pricing trilogy, which was if you're trying to maximize revenue, that was a, a different case here, but are you... Are you motivated by community involvement? Are you motivated by, uh, you know, pursuing your interests? Or is it, what is it that kind of drives you? Is it monetary? Are you monetarily driven? Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not uh, monetarily driven because if I am, I'm doing a pretty bad job at it. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I would say it's my interest. Um, it's very easy for me to get interested in a new thing and have new ideas. So, um, yeah, usually, I, you know, I get this idea and then I will start working on it and maybe, you know, do a Photoshop mock-up and then say, hey, that's pretty cool and, you know, just do it. Or at least, like, I mean, that's I think that's really important. It's really important to be able to do that, but you also need to limit yourself, like I said. So, yeah, it, it's hard to find the right balance between, you know, uh, n never doing anything else be besides your 9-to-5 uh, and then launching a new thing every week because it's just so fun. Right. So we talk about a topic we like to talk about a lot on the show is, uh, you know, open source sustainability, right? And uh, with Telescope, you have it, you know, it's obviously an open source project. The code's on GitHub. Uh, when you froze, to write this book, you said you, you froze development on Telescope. Did you actually, you know, like make an announcement that you were not going to develop on Telescope? Did you actually freeze development or was the community still working on it? behind you no I, the community is still working i didn't do any official announcement uh it's more than you know before i would respond to pull requests or bug, bug reports in like a couple of hours and now it's like uh, a week or <laughs> or uh yeah soon yeah yeah i did want to mention too that you've been very responsive and you said so you're in japan so you're in japan time right now is it seven thirty nine a.m there yeah it is and it's almost it's five thirty nine PM here. It's impressive. Has has there been any um you know, I don't I don't wanna say that most developers are in the US because I, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I would think that a lot of the people who are working on um, you know, telescope and working with you and, and want to, you know, maybe talk to you about the projects you're working on, have you noticed any kind of like a you know, a barrier with time being a problem at all? Not really. It's usually okay because the the time difference is big enough that uh, when it's morning for me, it's still day uh, on the west coast and like early evening on the east coast. So I can always find the time. And like in in a weird coincidence, uh, Tom is in Melbourne, Australia. So we're actually uh, we only have one hour of time difference, which <laughs> is very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. So to to kind of get back to what I wanted to ask before with open source sustainability, uh, to to do a project like Telescope, which I think is a very um, I don't know I'm, I don't have the word for it, but it's a it's a big project, right? It's something that and it 
and it's almost limitless, right? How big this project can get. Um, have you experienced any kind of like burnout with working on this? You said you said that you you like to start things, but sometimes maybe have a problem finishing them. Um, no, I don't know if you said that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But have you noticed with Telescope, like, have you gotten any? Have you gotten tired of working on it at all? Have you decided to like you know take a break from it just because of you know the the everyday answering pull requests and stuff has gotten old to you at all? Well, I think that's definitely a risk, but it hasn't happened to me. And I think that's because I'm using Telescope for Sidebar. So basically every time I want to improve Sidebar, I have to improve Telescope first. So I, I think that was a pretty, like I didn't really plan it out too much that way. But uh, in retrospect, I think that was a, a good choice because otherwise it's true that I, w- I would probably uh, have less motivation to work on Telescope and risk burnout a lot more. Yeah. Gotcha. I think Sidebar is a really neat project, and I think just kind of to add with, to what you're talking about, Andrew, about sustaining open source. I think it's, you know, I think if it's a trend, if you go back and rewind through the past few shows, there's um, when we talked about this, is there's been, uh, you know, some sort of personal gain, whether it's you know forwarding interest or forwarding, you know, income or, or whatever it might be. But you know, in in Sasha's case, Sidebar is his motivation and you do get some money from that. I believe you have sponsors and you're still growing it. So I'm sure you have, you know, some sort of play in terms of how you'll make money from it. But that's, it's kind of neat how, like you said, it, it was sort of accidental in a case where you didn't really purposefully set it up like that, but how it filters back into open source. And I think if we, if we look at the community and just kind of be more mindful of that, that as uh, we see personal projects spruce up like cyborg.io, and what that could mean for a, a micro framework that pops out of this, you know, written in Meteor, in this case, uh, Telescope. I think it's just really neat how open source becomes a bit easier to sustain. So uh, there's a, a post on the changelog ages ago that, written, that when written about, you know, the, the top 10 ways basically to get us to cover open source or I can't remember exactly what the what the title was nowadays. Why but, I'm not. Yeah. Why I'm not using your open source product. Yeah, exactly. And we get people asking us all the time, like. You know, uh, just solving a problem in open source is the same as, you know, startups, I guess, in a sense. Like if you're just trying to uh, solve a startup problem, not so much solve your own problems, it's going to be kind of hard to sustain that, you know. But in your case, you've got a personal gain to it and you started it and the community has adapted to it and has done it as well. So they're helping you push it forward. But every, as you had mentioned, every new thing you want to add to Sidebar um, goes into into Telescope first. Yeah, and in the beginning, I was really, you know, hoping Telescope would get big and people would contribute, and I wouldn't have to code anymore on it. And <laughs> nice has that but, uh, has it happened? No, not at all. And so now I have more of a long term view. You know, I mean, people say that it takes like three years to build a company to the point of uh, profitability. I think, and I kind of have the same view for Telescope. So. I'm using it. Uh, if other people are using it, it's great. If not, it's no big deal. I'll just keep improving it, and hopefully one day, you know, it will get to the point where uh, it doesn't make sense not to use it. So let me ask you a question. Um, when I kind of first, I don't know, this this question has come up in a lot of different uh, areas, not just with Meteor, um, but I think this is one that you've probably had to solve or, you know, uh, that you've had to leverage Meteor to solve, and that's the idea of you know SEO and indexing your website and stuff like that. Um, how does Meteor handle that, and have you actually had to 
kind of solve that problem for uh, telescope and sidebar? So um, Meteor has a, a package called a Spider Rebel that does that, and it uses uh, PhantomJS. So basically, when uh, you know Googlebot fetches your site, um, it will run PhantomJS and give the result to it. So it works pretty well. Um, I do have to confess that I have not uh, actually activated the package on um, on sidebar because I think I just moved servers and uh, installing PhantomJS is kind of a pain. So, yeah, I mean, that's a downside. Obviously, I'm looking forward to the day where Meteor does real uh, server-side um, content rendering. But uh, until then, I guess it's a good enough uh, fix. So Meteor has kind of their own little hosting platform, right? You can deploy your apps to Meteor servers. Um, but I imagine you're not doing that with Sidebar since you just said you've, you've changed them. So at least you've moved off of it. But uh, have you used the Meteor servers and what are you using for yours? So yeah, the Meteor servers are very convenient because you can deploy with just one line of uh, one command line. But yeah, it's it's not meant for production use or you know any serious use. It's pretty slow and doesn't hold that well under traffic. But you know you know it's free, so you can't really complain. I guess for me a better alternative is Heroku. So I've tested Telescope on Heroku a lot, and I think it went up to. Uh, about 150 uh, concurrent connections, which, I mean, that, that was like on, on a free uh, Heroku uh, dyno. So again, it's not that bad. And for sidebar, I'm using a digital ocean, which is really cheap and really, really fast. So I really recommend them. And for the, the Meteor books, uh, I mean, Discover Meteor app, we're using uh, EC2. So the the book itself, and the, to go back to your book, Discover Meteor, I forgot to ask you earlier. the The art on the the website is a beautiful book. It's a you know pretty popular uh, style for your eBooks. But that leads me to the question: Is there ever going to be a print version of this book available? Yeah, you know, I really don't know. Um, what we've been saying is that we'll consider that once a Meteor stabilizes at one point because uh, until then, it doesn't really make sense to come out with a book if the framework itself is going to change, you know, next week. Yeah. And uh, so obviously, we're we're going to keep the online version, PDF, EPUB, all that uh, up to date with uh, the, the changes of uh, Meteor. But after that, maybe, uh, who knows? I, I will say, though, that personally, I don't think, like, I wouldn't use a, a paper version of the book because I think it's... Uh, inferior to the digital version uh first of all we were talking like about the you know using the the app of the book uh, in a more interactive way with annotations and stuff so um even even now for example we have links to code commits so every like maybe two or three times per chapter we have a code commit uh, of the app at that stage and we also link that commit to uh, a live instances uh, of the app so those are things that would obviously not be as easy to do with uh, a physical book I don't think Meteor handles the physical book part yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it wouldn't be real time and reactive <laughs> um, so I uh, want to give a shout out to a 
project that I actually covered on the changelog a while back, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's uh, just the meteor.sh. Have you have you heard of it? Meteor.sh is it meteoric.sh or me- no meteor.sh? Oh, yeah. So it's a little shell script that you can actually set up a meteor server and deploy meteor apps to it, and it's it's kind of shocking how easy it is to to set up a meteor server and actually deploy your code to it. Um, it's a little shell script that you can check out. There's a we'll put the the uh, link to the repo in the show notes. But uh, that was one of my first uh, kind of I don't know if the exposure or experience is the right word, but uh, when I saw the meteor.sh, I think that's when I decided you know what this is something that actually uh, has a shot to take off and go somewhere because. Um, before that, you know, you, I don't know, you hear about a lot of stuff and it seems like Meteor is one of the ones that is just blowing up in popularity and growing. Um, but no matter how much it grows, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and, uh, let me know how, what you think about this. Why is the mailing list email still so ugly? Do you mean the, the, the google groups email or the no no the actual uh the actual... like updates that come out from the team they're just the text and it's so bad <laughs> yeah i don't know um <laughs> i don't think they have a well I, i'm not sure i don't think they have a designer like working on their stuff too much so yeah i'm trying to yeah. tell you that you should uh you should get involved and help out with that yeah if i had more time one more thing myself <laughs> just another thing to work on so for those of you that have kind of uh, listened to the show and, and newcomers like, we kind of ask the, the two questions at the end of every episode. Um, the first one is for a call to arms. So with the book Discover Meteor, you might not have necessarily a call to arms as far as I guess you would like for people to just buy the book. That could be your call to arms for that. Um, but what about with Telescope? Like wh- what are some uh, features or just what would you like to see the community kind of rally around and do for the project telescope? Oh, that's a great question. So, um, I've actually set up a telescope uh, instance to talk about telescope. It's uh, meta.telesc.pe. It's a very hard URL to, <laughs> to say. Yeah, it sure is. Using the, uh, a dot in place of the O in telescope. But anyway, so yeah, um, we use this uh, board to just track uh, new features and we, what we want to work on. So you can head there and take a look. And in general, I guess it's not even, you know, uh, developing new features as much as the, just using the project. Because I believe the only way like people are going to be motivated to contribute to Telescope is if they're using Telescope for their own project, right? Like I am. So yeah, I would encourage people to just think of cool uh, uses that they could uh, come up with for telescope. For example, we have uh, one guy doing a telescope for uh, for the meteor community in Brazil. Um, another friend did uh, use telescope to set up a a, a board for um, Google I/O. I think hmm. just to to centralize info about that. So yeah, think of a topic that you you like and that you're interested in and. See if you can use Telescope to just create a community around that. And, yeah, I think that it's something that can definitely um, – I think that there's no limit, right, to what communities could benefit from this. And we've had – it's interesting. We've had a few different 
this is um, Adam. This is almost like an ongoing theme we have of we're bringing on projects that uh, you can. I don't know what the best way to put it is, but you can use these projects uh, to to almost build a community around the project itself. Uh, we did that with um, uh, Discourse. Uh, we did that last week, and now we're doing that with Telescope. That's kind of a, yeah. a weird coincidence that uh, we're bringing on these these projects that you can use the project to talk about the project itself. <laughs> Inception, just like that. So, yeah, it's Inception of Hacking. So, Sasha, our last question, and, and this just gives you kind of a chance to... Uh, Give a shout out to anybody you want, but who would you say is your programming hero? Oh, uh, that's a hard one. Um, programming hero. Well, I guess I could say Tom Coleman, but that would be cheating. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's really hard. I guess you could say oh. your design hero too, if you because you've kind of uh, spread the gamut of both realms. So I guess my programming hero, or I guess one of them would be John Resing, um, because like jQuery is what really got me into JavaScript, and without that, I guess I wouldn't be doing any Meteor. And Design Hero, um, that's another really hard one. There's so many. Um, well, I guess not so much a, a person, but Dribble. I guess Dribble is my design hero because that's what pushed me to to really improve my game and and um, try and and you know do better than what I was doing. It was pretty crappy. So I guess not Dan Cedarholm's not your hero, but the community that he's helped yeah, develop yeah, over exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that, Dan. Well, yeah, sorry, Dan. Dan is still my hero too. No cookies. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Dribble is uh, is a fun community. I can imagine too, because you know each shot you put out. I mean, you're pretty popular on on Dribble as well. But um, it just goes to show that each new shot you put out, if you're always trying to improve from the shot beforehand, how that plays into how you become a a better designer. And I know that you use that uh, community as a show and tell, but also as a way to take that uh, that criticism, uh, so to speak, and and improve upon that. Yeah, I think that's uh, the key to becoming a better designer and a better coder, too. Absolutely. Well, Sasha, we definitely want to thank you for coming on the show today. I mean, it's uh, it's it's wild uh, just having, uh, I guess, known you for the last little bit this year, just meeting up on the industry and then coming back here on the change law, just um, getting to know you a bit better. As Andrew mentioned, I was wrongfully assuming that uh, you came from a design background, but lo and behold, you had this uh, the CS background and... Um, even Christian Boyle mentioned in the uh, the IRC room that that's that's why your um, your writing is so informed because you know you're you know you don't just like whimsically write onto your blog you, you seem to have this um, sort of I guess backing I'm not really sure maybe it's maybe it's just um, assurance of what you're writing about uh, even if you're not exactly sure what you're writing about but. Uh, you kind of have this this uh, this stance about you, so. But yeah, definitely thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for writing the book for for Meteor. Um, I think that's super awesome, and thanks so much for giving us access to it. We'll definitely uh, share our thoughts on it as well, and be sure to plug it on the change log. But um, cool, thanks for having me. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, so we tune into this. Uh, we broadcast the show live every Tuesday at five. So if this is your first time listening. 
next week. Uh, set your watch. We will broadcast live next week as well right here on 5x5. You can go to 5x5.tv slash live to tune in. Or if you want to read about um, uh, different posts, as I mentioned, uh, Sasha, guest change logged, if that's a, that's a term, on the change log. You can go to thechangelog.com to uh, read more. we got tons of writers and cover all the, all the topics of open source. So uh, without further ado, that is the show. So let's say goodbye. See y'all later. <laughs>